Hi guys, my name is Miriam and you are welcome to episode 12 of Journeys with Podcast. Journeys with is a podcast about people and their journeys through life. I'm fascinated by people guys and individual journeys i mean i think everyone has a story no matter how big or small we all come from somewhere i think everyone is on a journey that's why we don't judge and it's amazing what can take place by just exchanging with someone and listen to their journeys it is humbling and that's why we're here today guys i have a guest that i personally admire i mean she's one that i definitely wanted to have on this podcast She's unapologetic, she is authentic, she's African and proud like me, but also a lover of all cultures, a a bit like me too. She's a traveller, a journalism graduate, a writer with so many amazing projects. Oh, she's also a twin. Hmm. Her name is Lilato Madiri and Lilato, you are welcome to Journeys with Podcast. Thank you so much. That was a great intro, by the way, to like your podcast. (laughs) I had to, girl. I had to. I mean, (laughs) you're like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I just receive it. I just receive it. Thank you for having me, though. Honestly, this is fun. I heard that your name, Lilato, means love in Zambian. Is it true? Yeah, it's uh, it's Lozi, um, which is one of the languages or dialects in Zambia. Okay. I'm actually Zimbabwean. Um, my oh. father pretty much grew up or was raised in Zambia. So oh. he speaks Rosi and other kind of like Southern African um, dialects and languages. And wow. he, my mom pretty much decided to give us all Lozi names, which now further down the line, having heard some Shona names, I'm like... <laughs> We didn't do too bad. I like it. So it's unique. Also, both your parents are from Zimbabwe. Yeah. They chose a Zambian name. That's interesting. That's My dad was pre- pretty much raised there. Oh, were you yeah. born in Zimbabwe yourself? Yes, I was. I was born in uh, Marondera in Zimbabwe um, and moved to England when I was eight years old. So that was like 2001. Seriously? Wow. Because I know that you have an accent, but I can't quite figure out where it's from. <laughs> it's like you have an accent. I was in a boat just the other day. I was in London and I was in a boat and I had this... Um, driver but we ended up being friends afterwards and he was just like oh are you from Sao Tome and I was like no I said you sound like you're from Sao Tome and I'm like no I know <laughs> I think yeah I think I don't know so for those who don't know me and Lilato we have a connection guys we have a connection we studied at the same university only that she studied journalism and I think I mean I don't think I studied broadcast journalism but we were in one or two classes together but we never really spoke until later. And I was like, man, she was so cool. I should have spoken to her. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy uni? Um, see, university for me is an interesting, was an interesting experience. University, I honestly, hand on heart, I did not want to go to university. Wow. Um, in the university for me ended up being an obligation thing because there's no way you are raised in an African home and you do not go to university. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And wow. then um and then on top of that, because I didn't really have any other options, I just knew 
because I, I've always, not that I've struggled academically. I prefer hands-on, creative, just Practical. doing the thing. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't enjoy my high school mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. I barely got through my A-level. So I was like, you know, university is this thing that's by choice. You know, yeah. you're about to go into all this debt. Um, so you want to make sure you either have a great track record of being great at studying, <laughs> you know, or you enjoy and you know what you want to do. And I was in a place where I did not know what I wanted to do. And I did not wow. have a great academia. Like the only, and it's quite telling, the only subject I was great at that I ever got A's or anything at was languages or drama. So wow. just very hands-on practical, you know, subject. And I was actually in Alabama because I, t- I took a gap year. Okay. So Alabama at the time. And before I left Alabama, I'd written my mom a letter like, I'm not, when I come back, like, I'm not coming back to university. Wow. Like, don't make me go. Like, I just, I just didn't want to So you do did it. uni out of obligation. That's already a bad start, isn't it? It was a bad start. I honestly, I applied for the journalism course a week before it started. Seriously? I kind of like came back home from Alabama and, you know, it was kind of like, well, what are your plans? You know, I understand the perspective now. I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, oh, I'll figure it out. I get it now because I think if I was to hear my kid or just even a guest, like a younger sibling say to me, like, I don't have a plan. I'll just kind of wing it. When you now know the ways of the world and how the world works, of course, you're going to be on high alert and be like, dude, just do the university thing. Just yeah. do something. Like the only course that I saw was kind of like at other universities was media and communications. Mm. But I didn't have the eight grades to go and study that. And even then, it was a very broad subject. Right. And so it was just pretty much talking to people and being like, what, this is the kind of course I, I like. Uh, what do you think I'll be good at? And my parents were like, journalism. Did you end up yeah. enjoying journalism, though? Did you I know? did. I did like, and just even like on a spiritual front, because when I I took a gap year and I was just kind of like, you know, having my own kind of like spiritual journey and just spiritual reckoning, I just had a lot of things to reconcile in a very short space amount of time. You know, when you're kind of like 18 and you're trying to reconcile like the last few years of your life on an emotional level, you know, physical level, academic level and all of these things, you know, and I, I'm, I'm at a point, you know, you're at a point where you're like, okay, I'm 18 now. Um, I'm at a point where I feel like I can start shaping my life the way I want it to. And then just being raised up in the Christian faith, you know, I was pretty much kind of like leaning, like, what, what do I do? What's my purpose? What, what do I do? I knew the type of person I was, I knew the type of things that I enjoyed, but I just couldn't reconcile in my mind why it had to be funneled through this particular avenue, especially when I'm not an academic person. And I don't view myself as an academic person. So it was pressure. And for me, I think I was in a position in my life where I finally just wanted to kind of like break free from different boxes I'd felt or upbringing had put me in and being like, okay, God, like this is the position I've now been put in. I'm being told that I have to go this direction. I'm not in a position where I can not do that. So I'm going to go with it. But I feel like I need, you know, a, a, a direction from you that this is, the core the way. this is what I'm supposed to do yeah this is what I'm supposed to do and I literally within my own kind of quiet time I just mm-hmm. felt the Holy Spirit say to me like you know do this degree it's not about how well you do it 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be your door. It's going to be your passport to the nations. Just do it. I can see now why he meant. It ended up being this therapeutic three-year journey doing this wow. degree. Being there now out of my own will, my own resilience and my own choice right. I think was something that was very, very important to me. By the time I graduated, I was just like, it was very, and it was an empowering feeling. Right, right, right. We're going to talk more about it, yeah? We're going to talk more about this whole creative, being creatively free. We're going to talk all about it. First, I think it's important that we talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter and the world's awakening, quote, unquote, about racism towards Black lives. What do you make of this whole, what do you make of this whole thing in general? When you look at the news as a Black person? (laughs) It's a loaded question because it it covers so many avenues and so many uh perspectives and narratives but i think that yes we are in um 2020 has been a year of reckoning (laughs) for many reasons um and i think we in a seller in a celebratory way um we are viewing the discussion that is going around racism right now is happening in a way with a momentum that really hasn't occurred before. Okay, yeah. But even then, I'm still dubious because I'm sure in the civil rights movement, they were thinking the same thing. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure when, you know, different, at different stages of, you know, black liberation, they were probably thinking the same thing. Like, we haven't had this momentum yeah. and this conversation before. And then we look at history and we see that there's a movement and then it dies out and there's still oppression and then there's a movement it dies out and there's still oppression but i think what makes this one different is that we are now there is now a call for accountability like never before there is now um because of where if anything white supremacy was setting itself up to fail to work in the long run but it was only going to hit a peak just because I don't think it counted on technology to advance the way it advanced and for mm. people to wake up the way they woke up. And, um, you know, it's almost like it's, um, it's like a dog running, chasing its own tail, you know? Right. It's like, I'm sure, you, you know, when Great Britain was going out to colonize all these countries, mm. I'm sure they didn't count on, they weren't think cause, because, you know, no one can see into the future. They didn't count that the same people that were colonizing would be coming to take the jobs be educated, put themselves also in positions of power and build economies and pioneer. They didn't count on that. You know, they just thought we're going to be an empire and we're going to take and take and take Mm -hmm. and not counting on the fact that hundreds of years down the line, you're now going to have an issue where these same people want a piece of the cake. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point. That's our check. They didn't count on that. So for every, you could say for every kind of like attack that the, quote unquote enemy had there there was the a counterattack um that right. they did not do. In, in regards to kind of like linking it to why I feel it's different this time round mm-hmm. is that there is, you know, because back then there were different tensions. The tensions that we're facing now aren't like the t- tensions of before. The civil yeah. rights movement had, you know, they were they wanted the right to be, you know, treated as equal equals. But there was tensions of like, you know, economy and, yeah. and lynching and, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things. So it's almost like they could only fight for a square. They couldn't fight for the entirety. 
Right. And in every kind of like black liberation movement, mm. there's been fighting for like squares, but not for entire, not the entire game yeah. because there's been different tensions at play. Yeah. Whereas with now, what I feel people are doing is like, mind my language, fuck it. We want the whole, we want the whole game. We're, we're at a position where I think our generation are not willing to just fight for a piece of land or a piece mm. of the cake. We want the entire thing and we yeah. want it ASAP by keeping people accountable and by um, keeping leaders accountable and by keeping our peers accountable because right. I think that's what's a, a lot on social media I feel for me is I can't I'm not in a position of power to keep as a consumer yes I'm in a position of power to keep a brand accountable because I have the choice on whether I purchase I'm from buying. them yeah exactly like it, it was funny because even before you know the the Black Lives Matter movement gave momentum I'd made I think maybe around 2016 like I'd made a pledge within myself that I was not going to buy from brands that didn't have people that look like me. And then just kind of like, you know, Instagram and everything blowing up the way it did in like the last 10 years, just being like, you know, at the end of the day, it, my logic was it doesn't take a lot to reflect on your page, on those little squares, a society that, that, that looks like the one you're living yeah. in. I think the difference here between, you know, racism now in 2020 and racism back in the day is that back in the day was very obvious when you look at america whites only blacks only it was very obvious whilst now a lot of people don't know that there's racism they think that racism is just a person coming up to you and saying i hate you because you're black not knowing that racism is also racial inequality so I think the difference is that a lot of people before this year didn't know mm. that there was white supremacy because they're not being racist directly. I would then counterattack that, Miriam, and say like it just depends on the language you're using because it's it's a lot. I've seen that narrative on the internet where people are like, you know, um, you know, racism in England is very subtle, or mm. you know, racism in the back in the day was more than it was now because the language was evident. It was you're black, you're white, right? You're not a here you're not allowed there whereas people did not educate themselves the only reason people i feel like feel like racism in england is subtle or they feel like racism today is because you haven't learned the language of what of the language of oppression they're using today the language of oppression Mm -hmm. they were using back in the day was very much about about creating distance a very visible distance you don't come any further than that right and then they realized oh the times are changing let's change the language of oppression and we'll keep it at that what people didn't do was then update the dictionary (laughs) mental dictionary and social dictionary on the language of oppression that was being used so that's why people can sit back and be like, no, but like racism isn't as big as be- as was before. Like we don't have white only restaurants. Yeah, babe, but we don't have equal opportunities. We don't. That's okay? systematic so, racism. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, it's systematic. Racism in itself is systematic. Mm-hmm. And they changed the language because that's also, they were in charge, you know, people in power and anyone who wins the battle at the end of the day has the power to change and shape the narrative narrative and the power to tell the story how they want to tell the story right so even um so of course they then change the narrative to saying oh racism is you saying you don't like someone because they're black 
So of course people are going to be like, but I like old people. I I'm really nice. black. <laughs> I have black children. I can't be racist. Right, <laughs> because right. that's how the oppressor has chosen to define racism. Whereas people who are oppressed will tell you it is beyond that and it is more than that. And that is what, you know, white people now and even other people of color who benefit from an association of whiteness um, are starting to realize that this is racism is not just about disliking someone mm-hmm. just because of, of skin color. It's a systematic thing mm-hmm. that has been ironed out to a specificity <laughs> and an intricate level to keep black people out. Yeah. And then to a degree people of color out. But even then, other persons of color have other, you know, have unique experiences and unique um, directions of opportunity that black people may not be privy to. Do you know what I'm saying? So racism hasn't changed. It hasn't. It, it hasn't changed. It's only evolved. It's only changed mass. Language has changed. changed. And it's the responsibility of um, us people in society to always recognize the language of the oppressor. And it, and it applies to every single sphere of society. And, you know, a lot of people are campaigning now for Black British history to be included in schools, Oops. right? But if, like, if you're going to be teaching Black history in schools, you're going to have to change the language. Because the language of the oppressor says slaves. Whereas you need to tune the language and say these were trafficked people. I agree with you. Everything you're saying. You yeah. know, we say when, when you say child trafficking, people go crazy. When we say, you know, these grooming rings, you know, people go crazy. But then when you say, oh, you know, America had slaves, people don't flinch. Whereas it's like we need to change the language. Yeah the actual story and the reality. Yeah. I feel like there's this silent narrative as well, as if, oh, it's okay. Africa benefited from, you know, colonialism. It's like there's this silent, I don't know. I don't know what it is that would make people think that those who were colonized or those who were enslaved actually were all right with it. But it's actually not true. It's 100%. It's not true. And, you know, everyone who has some sort of association with the um, oppression or mm-hmm. oppressions of colonialism, slavery, um, racism, Jim Crow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, I was even saying to my friends the other day who who they they're Mauritian and they talk they were talking about you know like the African community in Mauritius and they were like oh we actually don't know where they come from and I was just like listen point to me where black people are in the world and I will tell you the same narrative the narrative is exactly the same <laughs> there is no the narrative is exactly the same if you think your country is innocent <laughs> don't where there are black people and you don't and they've been there for yonks the, the narrative is probably going to be yeah. exactly the same it's not a sticky one mm-hmm. I don't think history is complicated i don't think history is as complex or as messy as people want to make it it's a very it's very simple about what happened Mm -hmm. and um with colonialism um like empires was the you know it's very simple empire empires and building empires was the dumb thing it's what was done you had the roman empire the the babylonian empire you had the persian empire even in china you know it was in terms of war and conquering and history it was the done thing thing. that was just what was done when it came to how the world was doing military 
it was the done thing. Colonializing and colonizing and building empires, it was the done thing. Mm-hmm. However, with the British one, <laughs> it's the one that is the most recent. It's the most modern one. Mm-hmm. It's the most telling one yeah. to the uh, barbaric nature of what building an empire empire actually cost and looked like. They may have pulled the Britain may have pulled itself out of Zimbabwe, right. but white farmers still owned the land. There's a lot of things I think that we need to face and as a nation needs to face. Yeah, you know, you know but don't ignore. And that's what gets people angry. Mm-hmm. When people don't gaslight people, just even on a mental health, if you're in an abusive relationship and somebody's been beating you and they turn around and say, I don't know what you're talking about. I will do something to right. your mental. You're gaslighting me. What do you mean? The person will flip. They'll go crazy. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, with race, systematic racism and you know, right. things like colonialism, things like why there's um, why the police do what they do, yeah. uh, things like council estates, things like the economic the politics and the society is on so many levels. Those things are just the tentacles right. attached to a bigger right. thing. Right. And the people who have the power to address that thing, I feel like this stuff will keep... It's the beginning, isn't it? What is happening is just it's the beginning. beginning. Boy, we just started. But let's be honest, uh, Lilato, we are both journalism graduates. So whether we want it or not, we always have that journalistic mindset of wanting to give information, wanting to read. Sure. But let's be honest, as a person who has a platform, it's been hard, yeah. isn't it? Especially as a black person. 2020 has been hard. Having to read, having to give information. How have you been coping? Let's be real. Let's be real. Um, I remember this is how real and how difficult it's been. Right. Two, two to three weeks ago, I'm not sure if you heard heard about Toyin, the girl in African-American girl, um, Nigerian-American girl who was um, raped and killed. Um, It wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't like by a white person. She was like, you know, a Black Lives Matter protest. She was an activist and she was actually, for clarification, you know, raped and killed by a black man. And um, I remember having, and this was at the same time we were also starting to hear about Elijah McClain, you know, who was anemic, pretty much killed for going to the store to grab iced tea for his family member. And then he's anemic and was injected with so much ketamine. He suffered a heart attack whilst being physically, you know, so it was on the back of this. And I remember I was meant to be preparing for an interview in like in an hour's time. I'm seeing this. I start crying, but then you have to fix your makeup, fix your face to go on a video call and do an interview for an opportunity that you want to right. accelerate your advances and my reach and just my opportunity in the world, get off the call and not know what to do. <laughs> and just kind of be like, what, what world are we living in where your emotions are doing a 365 in a 24 hour basis? And I feel like that, I feel like that, what it's been like in terms of like campaigning with Black Lives Matter on, mm. online, but while still trying to do your life. Hmm. and it's it's the burden that other races don't have to carry like right now i'm sure there's a lot of british hong kong citizens who are campaigning who are upset about what's happening in hong kong that sort of thing but they don't have to deal with the burden of it being a daily constant reminder constant 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 before i was like 
making it my responsibility to share and just put as much information out there, right. creating highlights that way I wouldn't have to keep repeating myself. You know, I have Caucasian white friends mm -hmm. um, all over and I made sure to tell them that it was not my responsibility to educate them. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I had I to I was even going to ask you about it, like, because I know that you have a lot of international friends, friends from like a lot of places. How has it been? Has, has mm -hmm. it like bring some kind of awkwardness because a lot of people say that in this time you see who's your friend truthfully like my energy is still the same from university i mind my own business like my tribe does not pass my two hands you know <laughs> like my tribe of like my core people my core group the people that i do life with and i do life with intimately and and share vulnerability with and my highs and my lows and joys does not pass a certain number like it's very core and then i have you know and in this core group are white friends and then i have acquaintances who okay. were i saw were being problematic on social media and it's a block delete i don't need to waste my time to slide into the dms to be like you're being problematic i just don't need to see you well, on my I see, feet. like they coming out and saying i don't understand why people are protesting is that what yeah like i had acquaintances on my social media say all lives matter as soon as i see that hashtag block delete goodbye we don't even we don't even need to have a conversation about it because that's where i choose where i choose to align and reserve and keep my energy i refuse to go back and forth i refuse to defend my life right. i refuse to defend my right to live i will not do it i won't do it so if i see people carrying a certain energy that i feel will have me doing that it's a block and delete um whereas if someone's in a position where they're like they want to understand i've realized this i've realized oh my goodness i may not be because like we were speaking about a lot of white people feel like you know i'm not being racist if i love my black friends i love my 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 black family members but I'm not racist. So for them, their, their moment of awakening was realizing other things at play about the system, about police brutality, about fetishization. It was, uh, it was all the other faces and masks of racism that they were not aware of and just even conscious and unconscious biases they had right. that they were starting to realize and were like, oh, I'm realizing this and oh my goodness, like, I'm so sorry if that right. ever came out in this type of way. Um, but they took it upon themselves to educate themselves. That's the and then I have a friend, my best friend who's in the UK and she's a teacher and she's put literally put it upon herself to be like, where is my responsibility and what change can I put in my sphere of influence as a teacher? Um, it. she she did at one time ask me like what 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 my take was and i, I had to give my friend a side eye like i know you are not coming to me <laughs> with the exhaustion and with the amount of resources that are out there to to, to, <laughs> to let, ask, let me ask you let me ask you do you think that this awakening with like your 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 friends let's say who are not black came because they have a black friend and they want to understand or is it because they just see the images and they're like oh wow this is happening it's twofold okay. i can't speak 100% on what it is but i think the factor that they have a black friend that oh. they love and do life with is a factor that is uh, makes it easy for them to pay attention and to listen. Mm. Um, so I think it made it easier for for them to be like, oh, this narrative is happening about Black Lives Matter right now. Let me pay attention. Like my need to live 
was not a discussion. Like, it's not a discussion. Whereas I worry about people who don't have any black friends in their circle. They, um, I think for them, I think it then makes it, because the only way for them to have to then understand racism is on an intellectual level. The emotional part isn't there. That part that empathizes, I feel, is something that comes later. I'm like, that's a human being. It's all about, it's justice. At the end of the day, it's justice. It's not even, you shouldn't even think, oh, it's just a black person. As a human being, you should normally be emotionally, you should see as, oh my gosh, that's a human being out there. Why do you have to not be emotionally, I don't know how to explain it. But it's I, not- I want to have a little bit more faith in humanity and say that when they see <laughs> another human being, yeah. be, I said, I want to have more faith. I didn't say I have faith in humanity like that, you know, but like, it's crazy. When they see another human being being, harassed and being murdered at the hands of police brutality in this example i feel like the emotional reaction is there it's oh my god this is awful I hope so but then because it's not personal that's the thing that's why it's easy to just scroll past i believe that they yes they do have emotional reactions to what is going on we're humans i would like to think that you know when they see another human being having a situation they emotionally react but the need to act isn't there because it isn't personal and there isn't empathy whereas right now with where the world is is that we're saying it's not enough to just feel right we need you to act and that's where a lot of white people are having a difficult time reconciling because it's not because you know how many times do we go on tv and see poor people needing money and da 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 we you know, we've been desensitized to human pain, you know? And it's the same even more so for white people when they're seeing things happening to black people. They can have an emotional reaction, but because there isn't, there hasn't been an obligation and a duty yeah. for them to act because it doesn't cost them anything. It doesn't cost them their comfort. Right. Whereas right. now we're telling them like, hang on a minute. It's not enough for you to just post a hashtag. It's not enough for you just to say, I feel your pain. It's not enough for you just to donate. We need you to actively dismantle. It needs to cost you something. Because the whole point is that systematic racism has put you in a position where you have to be comfortable. And you can be comfortable and benefit from a system that you don't even have to play an active part in it. That's how much systematic racism has worked in your favor. You can be comfortable. And it's not enough anymore for you to be comfortable. We need you to get uncomfortable. We need you to get upset. We need you to have difficult conversations. We need you to be embarrassed. We need you to feel humiliated. And we need you to act. How have you been prioritizing, I don't know, how have you been coping in terms of your time and balancing when you're on social media and when you're not? So because I have these amount of Instagram accounts, with my main Instagram account, I only spend, because that's where a lot of the politics come up I only spend maximum four hours a day and I log out all right because I have my other accounts which are more I also I still be on social media but the feeds the content that I'm seeing on my feed has nothing to do with um death murder injustice oppression anything I is it's celebrating black creatives black art black love you know, just different avenues that I'm interested in that won't cost my mental health. Considering like, because a lot of what I do 
my work is geared towards social media. I would always be on my yeah. phone 24-7, 24-7, 24-7. In order to protect my mental health, it's costing me my work um, because it means I'm not posting as frequently. It means I'm not as active on social media and engagement in different things. Mm-hmm. But it, that's something that I feel like I'm okay with. So I have just a few questions about, um, you know, what has been going on and then we move on to the creative side because I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. Let me just drop some facts. And now you have, you know, when you go on job searching sites, a lot of, um, like there's a specification about the fact that they're looking for black people in the light of what is happening. So it's like, I love to see that, but I'm like, do you really take police brutality? So I just have a mixture of feelings because I'm so happy about the fact that people have been talking. I'm so happy about it. But at the same time, I'm like, did it take someone to die again for people to, to do that? What do you think, Lilato? I don't think it took someone to die for these companies to do what they're now doing. It took collective people to be angry Oof. with these companies what they're doing. That's good. That's the only reason. People have been dying left, right, and center. These companies have not been doing anything at all. You know, it just hasn't. Mm. They haven't done anything. It took collective society to be angry and consumers to be like, we will withhold our money basically basically it only tools their way of operating is threatened then will they do something and also another thing is reputation you know whether people want to say it or not black lives matter was a trend still is a trend and a company does not want to be left behind in the trend so they want to be seen as progressive whether it is genuine or disingenuous they hop on the trend and they make moves mm. that way it's on paper we we were we were also part of this right. trend you know we did it you know you know that sort of thing right. so i think there are genuine um brands and companies that are either way we benefit <laughs> however the cho- however the company has chosen to go about it black people benefit i was the person on social media telling people go apply for jobs now if they want to pity you and open up doors go go apply you know you may as well benefit from the situation you know don't feel bad about applying because it's coming off of the back of death do it if that's what gets you into the door do it not realizing once we get in there we're the ones with the creative ideas we're the ones with the information plans we're the one with the network we'll let our work speak for itself right so life post 2020 in regards to like diversity and inclusion you said it's a trend at the moment which i think it is as well but do you think it will bring lasting change i think so you know it may die off and this is the thing like social media isn't the world social media isn't parliament social media isn't the bank social media isn't the place where powerful changes and decisions are made social media is the place where momentum is built that's good that's all it is so even if the momentum dies off social media if people keep the same energy that they had on social media in their workplaces in their friendship groups yes in their in their sphere of influence at home at home in your love life <laughs> yes it will last beyond 2020 100 yeah. it would last beyond 2020 and that's what people need to i think this generation sometimes need to get acquainted with because i think like they'll see on social media see it's dying down maybe get disheartened maybe get defeated and be like oh people aren't talking about it anymore no social media is only the place where you build the momentum 
yeah. what we, where we want you is in parliament talking to the people who actually have the power to change the law right. we want you in h we want you in hr right. you know creating policies that protect black people and people of color and and trans and whatever we want you in positions um or in networks with people who have these positions to change you know society and the way we do society which is why activism is important if you if you're going to be a global citizen on this planet you need to be an activist amazing that was such a necessary conversation now Lelato. I gotta talk mm. about the creative Lelato. I'm eager mm. to talk about the creative side I did my research the Lelato who sings the lover of music words composition so also the Lilato who writes who writes her truth through her page you also have the traveler Lilato who was in south korea a few years ago also in brazil czech republic denmark earlier this year you also have the dancer the goofy Lilato who knows how to move her hips like shakira twerk like a proud african and shake the curve that her mama gave her and don't mind to post it on Instagram just because she wants to. Yeah. On Instagram, you have like four different accounts. Um, like, let's not even talk about it. Side A, side B, side C. And um, you know what? A lot of times in life, I feel like as people, we think that there's only one path for us. If you are one way, you feel like you can't be another way. We tend to like repress yeah. the other parts of ourselves that don't quite fit the image that people have of us. So I want to ask you, how did you become creatively free? Tell me about that journey and how it led to the different projects that you do now. I'm still on that journey. <laughs> We're talking about the journey. Like, you're creatively oh free. My I, I still get a little bit of anxiety before I post things sometimes, mm. you know. Um, and I worry and I, I get nervous and I'm like, ooh, how... You know, uh, oh my goodness, I, I, I still get those, you know, I just, I don't, I don't just wake up, you know, dance, record a video and I'm like, oh yes, I'm that chick and post it and go back to sleep. No, I record it and I'm like, okay, you know, cause you know, I, for me, like if I'm talking about like, you know, the, the, the side B page, it's very much therapeutic for me. Side B page is, <laughs> I just called it Fombo. <laughs> Fombo is actually my my pet name in my family home because I was a chubby baby and my parents and my siblings would be like Fombo, Fombo, Fombo. At home, they call me Fombo. So I just decided to call my page that. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, it, it's where I get to just kind of like express um, the side of me that is, I love being a woman. I love being a black woman even more. And that that page is where I get to kind of like you know, big and showcase the personality. And the reason I named it after like my, my, my pet name in my family home is this is the side that like my family see 24 seven, right. you know, but it's the side that I'm like, I don't easily share with other people. If you're not in my family, what led you it, to I think I've been in a position of breaking free from fear of visibility. So I, it, it came from believing that I'm, I'm worthy to be seen. I'm worth, my art is worthy to be seen. And my personality is worthy to be seen just as much as my art is. Because I think so many times as creatives, we hide behind our art. You know, we hide behind our art. And we, there's this mystery on who's the person and why do they create what they create? Or, you know, you're meant to be like this pained artist or you're meant to be like eccentric or you're, you know, there's different facades that come with 
when you tell people like, oh, I'm a creative, you know, people yeah. immediately have an assumption on what that is, is. And most of the time people like to, they put you in a box, I feel. A lot of people put people True. in a They it's do put you in a box. In boxes. Exactly. And so for me with this page, it was just pretty much saying to myself that my personality and the especially my goofy side of my personality is just as worthy to be seen as the serious and intense art I put out sometimes. Mm. It's just as worthy. So it, is it, it intentional? It, it, is it intentional? Like, I'm actually purposely going to post this to show that I'm also fun? I wouldn't say that's... I don't have a thought process behind it. Okay. You know, like, right now, like, that page is pretty much... It's open, but it's pretty much my page. It's more so for my enjoyment and my expression. Hence why I haven't gone out of my way to follow anybody. It's why I haven't really gone out of my way to promote it or anything like that. If people stumble on it, they stumble on it, and it's happy days, and they're just seeing a black chick be crazy and be herself. It is what it is. It comes from a very natural place. So what led to that process of, oh, let me embrace who I am, the traveler, but also the dancer and also the serious side of me. How was that process like? Because I I need help and a lot of people do as well. (laughs) That, That process, I think, especially, and that's on so many facets, you know, in terms of what you said, like, let me be serious, especially one as a, I feel like as a black, black, as black women trying to enter journalism, we, we have to tell ourselves, like, let me be, let me be serious in a way that these companies will take me seriously. Like mm. I, I, I'm passionate about journalism, but I don't want to be on BBC Radio One Extra, you know, because that's where they may want, they may want to put me because, oh. you know, that's the urban show and all of this stuff and for me i think because if anything my ins- this is going to sound terrible my but my insecurities probably did me a favor my insecurities of thinking that i couldn't get into the companies i wanted or my my perspective of being like you know these companies want someone that looks that way ended up make, doing me a favor in the sense that i didn't pers- it, it wasn't second nature for me to want to pursue i've met i I, when i left university it wasn't my intention to immediately go work for a company that wasn't my second nature okay um and part of it part of it is my upbringing like my family have this they have this um this entrepreneurial backbone you know where it's you you don't you don't wait it's how i was raised you you don't wait for someone to get an opportunity create the opportunity for yourself you don't wait that's kind of like the the family culture i was raised in so when i applied and applied and yes i got depressed companies wouldn't take me i don't understand how many applications i have to send to just get an internship i don't know how many interviews i have to fail to be put in the door i had applied for over eight thousand jobs are you talking literally (laughs) we're talking literally literally i literally put the screen record of in like a space of like a year and a half i'd applied for like eight thousand jobs only attended four interviews four if you guys could see my face right now i'm shaking my head (laughs) and one got back to me and that was in prague not even in the UK. That's how you got there. Do you know what I'm saying? And so my CV was literally my hustle. I worked for free up, up until I graduated till in terms of like my journalism work. Right. Everything I did from graduation to about 2019, I did for free. It took three years and somebody was like, hmm, 
you don't have the experience, but I respect the hustle. Come to Prague. Right. No, so it kind of gave me that leverage and that footing. But it's amazing because even in the hustle, you still embraced who you are. You still did what you did. You still posted on your website. In the midst of anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, tear-stained pillows, you know, I don't want to glamorize how or, or sweep over how difficult it was. Like I ended up working, like my first retail job was for Victoria's Secret. And um, you know what I loved about this? Lilato, let me speak about it briefly. Because I have you on Facebook, I think. And what I love is that sometimes, yeah, if we are not where we want to be, we don't really speak about our small job. But what I love about it is that even on your Facebook, you spoke about Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret Tales, talking about what you experienced that day, that your journey in some way. And it really inspired me because I was like, even in the small beginnings, I can still kind of enjoy, kind of. 100%. And I'm only saying this because like my mom was drumming this into my head every single day, being like, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Wherever you are, do it well because it is better to have great character than no character at all. Right. Like, you know, why wait to be at the BBC to prove that you're a good worker? Wherever you are, just work well. You know, you're not suddenly going to have great character. You're not suddenly going to be an honest person. You're not suddenly, suddenly going to be a person of integrity. You're not suddenly going to be a person that is resilient or vigilant. Mm. Whereas if Tesco refines you, Victoria's Secret refines you, and it's people. Customer service is probably the most refining place to work for character. You know, you have to find a way of making your life experience still count and mean something, even if you're not in a place where you want to be. Right. So those things helped me be able to start my own brands. Right, right. I, I mean, I just registered with, you know, the government. I officially have a company, but I'm not earning anything through that company. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's there. Tell me about how each one of your projects started in terms of scrapbook tales. Tell me about mm-hmm. it. Uh, covers X conversations. You know how I love that project? Your latest community project to all my friends. Tell me about how it started. Sure. Okay, I'll, bre- I'll break it down for each one. Um, scrapbook tales, my travel blog that I started with WordPress, initially came as you know I I was in I think in 2012 that's when I started it and it was just a way for me to just kind of post I was between 2012 and 2018 I was traveling a lot be it was America or Brazil or different places so I was just like oh it's just a place I can share these stories um and you know back then it was just kind of like the thing that you did it wasn't something that I really took seriously only till I guess doing the Instagram and I had initially back then I had like my own private Lilato page and Scrapbook Tales was was its own Instagram and then it was only last year where I decided to make my Lilato page my Scrapbook Tales page I was like there's no point separating it because Scrapbook Tales is me my life does suddenly take me away to travel my life is about people, relationships, and adventure, and curiosity, and discovering new things, but also being real. Scrap, I didn't, I no longer felt back then, like Lilato and Scrapbook Tales were two different people. I think I came into my, into a place where I was like, we're just one person, and I'll just keep my main page as just that. So Scrapbook Tales, or my Scrapbook Tales on Instagram, is my main account. 
something that you wrote on your um, Scrapbook Tales website yes. about section that kind of stood out to me. Okay. You said, life is a journey. It means I associate every encounter, whether outside my door, in my community, in the comfort of my home, or beyond the departure gates at Heathrow, as a meaningful experience. Travel has the potential to strengthen, grow, and eradicate the barriers of fear and routine that creep and settle in in your daily life. It means that with every travel story, locally or internationally, and photographed to match, holds the power to redeem and restore back a childlike liberty that I believe is required to truly enjoy this life. That's amazing. Damn, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that but i love true. that it is it is true like travel did a lot for for my confidence for my perspective on the world for just building me up to be someone who was unafraid to just be herself yeah because i had to overcome fear to i'm very close with my family and just being like i'm packing my bag i'm going to a country where i don't know anybody and I was that crazy person where I wouldn't go for like two weeks. I would go for like two months. Wow. I'll just buy a ticket for two months. And people are like, ah, like, are you okay? Like, how are you? And I'll just be like, no, I'll wing it. It is what it is. YOLO. And I'll just go. And it would work out by the grace of God. Don't do this, kids. But, but like, you know, it travel changed my life. And it's the, it was an escape for me from the daily routine but it was I always felt that whenever I got on a plane it was a sense of like welcome home it was weird interesting you know I feel alive and I feel more like myself when I'm away and I think my journey with myself and which is why I ended up merging scrapbook tales with my own account was that I needed to feel alive at home as much as I felt when I was away which is what finally happened and something that stood out to me in what you wrote as well is that even in the comfort of my home or beyond the departure gate. So traveling can also be you just going to work because you also did mention that, you know, you love relationships and everyone you meet and stuff. And it's like, even on your way to work, I think it's important for people to know that even if you can't afford to travel right now, the relationships you, 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 you form, the people you meet in itself is amazing, right? Yes. And I encourage people like, just walk, leave your house, take a walk, discover a road, a neighborhood that you've never visited before. So many of us live in a town or a city for years and we'll never go visit another area. We'll never go visit another place. Like, if anything, hop on Google. If, you're, if you love cafes, just Google chic cafes near me and google the one that's a bit further away and go take a visit and have a day out with yourself to this cafe and really enjoy it it can what be just about as ex conversation tell me about it and how it started mm -hmm. never knew you could sing until you posted these videos of you covering these songs and talking about them one something i want people to understand is you don't have to believe or be con you don't have to be great at something mm. to share it i think a lot Ooh. of people wait Ooh, that's hard <laughs> a lot of people wait for perfection to 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 want to put something out only till it's perfect you know mm. but the way the way what helped me was you know what i'm going to just start putting a catalog online that shows my growth 
you know because then you can look back and keep vulnerability isn't it because you're scared you say oh my gosh it's not good and but the reality is no one's watching you you know (laughs) you know only only till you have big big numbers nobody's watching you like just because you post a video of you singing doesn't mean it's gonna blow up to two million views in one day Mm. reality is you'll be lucky if 50 people see it you know what i'm saying that's the i'm telling people like just just put your work out there let it be let your content serve you first before you expect it to serve other people that's good there is a delete button if you change your mind you can press delete shot it's right it's okay Right. You know, so for me, it became how it initially started was I created a project called Journey to Legacy when I was 24. Mm-hmm. And that's another project that's still going because it was a two-part project. It was a magazine and it was a short film. So the short film, 2020, you know, getting these ideas and then and then I would have more ideas. And my brother was just like, why don't you just have a page where you put everything? What What do you have available to you? that 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 doesn't match your resources right social media just put everything in one place the time will come for the big gestures and the big things and the the showcases and whatever Mm. just create a page and just put your different creative expressions so i'm sure the first time you posted that video of you singing you were nervous isn't it but i was nervous i was like oh my god because yeah i'm People don't know I sing. I don't do that. That's not, unless you happen to hear me sing. I I prefer writing music more than I like singing it. I love the creativity of pen to paper in the form of music. But yeah, so covers and conversations was kind of like this testament to being like, I am a creative. I love creating creative content. I don't have to be in one box. So just even the process of creating covers and conversations, I just didn't like the idea of singing a cover and just posting it. I think journalists, you know, we love stories. We love journeys. We love inviting people into the narrative. We love inviting people into doing the journey and the walk with us. So for me, it was about having a creative expression that takes people away from just being like, oh, this is... Because if anything, it removed people off my vocal ability and put people onto the narrative That's you good. know yeah and i think sometimes um especially with like music or just with anything that is creative yes because with creativity there is this pressure of excellence and it needs to be clear it needs to be cut and it needs to be perfect whereas i think the part of creativity that i love is the story i think what make i think why people i think like my stuff is that i'm not the greatest singer i'm not the greatest anything i'm just your average chick do, do you think that everyone, every person has a level of creativity? If you have the ability to imagine, <laughs> you are creative. Okay, basically a human being. I think as human beings, by nature, we are creative. Right. right. There are people who are gifted with the talent of executing that creativity to manifest. That's a different ball game. Right. But in terms of human beings... We are all creative. To all my friends, your latest community project that I love. I'm subscribed. I received emails on July 7th. I love the message. (laughs) Thank you. I love it. Um, To all my friends, started as out of, I'm that friend who's on WhatsApp, right? Mm -hmm. That would be like, yo, this new skincare just dropped. Here's the link. Yo, this album just dropped. 
it mm-hmm. slaps listen to it mm-hmm. i'm that friend right and right. i was finding i was doing this on a regular basis curating content for different groups of my friends i'd find be it food or music or events that caters to what she's interested in right and i'll be doing that for all my friends and then i was like <laughs> i cannot be doing this for free <laughs> wow like it's something that i enjoy doing like i love loving people well so you know giving people information is my you know part of my love language of loving other people well so i was like you know once again hustle let's let's see if we can make this into a thing so to all my friends i pretty much started it off on the big idea was that i wanted to have pretty much like an online website Mm-hmm. That has articles to um, alternative things. So it could be beauty, food, travel, whatever. Pretty much like your online magazine, plugging people into other aspects of culture, in of beauty, of sport, of, wow. of fashion. Because I wanted to create a platform. Like one thing I love about being curious is discovering people that are amazing, but other people don't know about them because yeah. everyone's stuck on mainstream. You know, and I'm like, no, you need to plug into what this person is doing because it's awesome. The receipts podcast is amazing and they should still keep getting listeners, but I need you to listen to the journey podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like she's having sitting down stories with people who've got fascinating backgrounds and stories. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's a bigger picture and we eventually want to take it offline, but just for practicality, we stuck with the Instagram page and the newsletter. So I was, I was literally, I'd be working on the newsletter and the social media on my commute to work, on my lunch break at work. That's how, when I realized I was passionate about it, you know? Let's move to the advice section, okay? Come on to Lale Lato. Oh, advising us for free. Hey, <laughs> people are listening, right? And I would like to know what advice would you give Lila to the people who are listening who feel like you? There's so much that they want to do, they have so many interests, so many ideas, but they don't know if they should pursue it. Is it like, is it part of my purpose? How do you know something is your purpose? Do I just enjoy it? Is it, is it going to make me money? How would you say to these people? I would say this um because i feel like it's a specific type of person that will be asking about purpose so to the person that is asking about purpose but ultimately i think it's all about purpose you know but then maybe Mm. i'm talking from a spiritual point point of view no that and that's okay like you know for me purpose is not one thing a lot of people feel like your purpose is a core but i think a lot of people get lost in the idea that purpose has to look like one particular thing Your purpose is the core. Your purpose is the blueprint. What you, you have agency of what you choose for that to look like. Mm. There isn't a right way or a wrong way. There isn't a greater way or a lesser way to live out your purpose. Your purpose is your purpose. And it can choose to manifest. Just to to hear that is very freeing. So I I wonder about the amount of pressure we put upon ourselves about what is our purpose. Because just hearing you say that, is free in itself you know what because i mean people yeah i think a lot of people make the mistake of wrapping their purpose to their identity so to cut it loose i feel my purpose for the sake of transparency my purpose is to love that's what i feel my purpose is on this planet mm. is to love mm. and to love people well and to love things well mm. how i choose now to navigate that choose, yeah. is up to me i chose i looked at my gifts you see, I looked at what was natural to me. 
communicating comes naturally to me. So I said, I can choose to love people well through communication. And that can, and that has taken different forms. That's taken by Lilato. That's taken travel blogging. That's taken to, um, to all my friends and building communities. That's taken to talking, you know, like, but ultimately what I feel my purpose is, is to love and to love well. I then, so for me, so to answer the question of the person that's trying to figure out how to go about the purpose, my next step would be, look at what comes natural to you. Look at, look at your abilities, look at your talents, look at your skills, look at the things that someone else would have to struggle to do that you do naturally. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there are things that just come naturally to you as a person that you just have and just even how you express yourself look at those things and then choose an avenue and it doesn't have to be one thing you can change your mind oh my goodness i feel like a lot of people feel like once they set their minds on going about their purpose a particular way that that's it for the rest of your life no 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 you have you have agency of choice you have agency to change your mind we are we are multifaceted people we weren't ever supposed to live in one box or do things a one way or whatever. Have enough resilience and enough discipline to see it through what your journey looks like. And it's not going to have an open night. If you can't commit at least seven to 10 years to see how one avenue works out, it's going to take a minute. You want to see it quick, 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 quick. And it's like, it's never worked out that way for anybody. Don't let them fool you. And then what would you say, Lilata, to those who are genuinely afraid of doing what they enjoy to do? It's hard to put yourself out there. Break the fear, however you need to break it. Because um, if you don't break it now, um, somebody will take advantage of you further down the line. Um, you have people um, trying to manipulate or change your vision or change your direction or change your art. So for me, I'll be like, it is so much more important to do the inner work I mean there's nothing to say you can't do it simultaneously you can be working on yourself and still putting content out there I'm doing that you know I I didn't reach some level of like internal freedom and then started posting I'm still doing it simultaneously and you know you know it's incrementing side by side I agree with what you're saying you need to have some level of like you need to be okay with who you are I think in some level it's true the only way to break fear is to break it once you do it light comes and guess what you realize I got through it the next time you do it it won't be so bad I agree with you and one advice I guess I could give you is one thing that I've realized I'm I'm I'm, I believe in God and I'm a Christian I feel like every time God gives you a gift all the talents that you have and the gifts that you have I feel like it's meant to be shared I feel like when God gives you a gift is to be shared so it's never just for yourself so if you look at your talent or you look at your giving it's just for your own benefit then there's something wrong you need to change that narrative it needs to be shared you know just do it in service to other people that's very important um i always talk about legacy i always Mm -hmm. talk about legacy it's not a doomed subject yeah legacy is not a doomed so i always ask about legacy because i think that everything that you do at the end of the day your work have to speak for you. Um, and when we leave the earth, well, how are people going to remember us, right? And so I will ask you about legacy, like in terms of your work, Slilato, you know, because I'm sure you're motivated by purpose in everything that you do. And I just want to know, when people look at your works, even as you're alive and you're here, how, how, what legacy do you want to leave? Um, let me talk about myself because I'm putting you on the spot. So let me just give it a bit about yeah. myself. Because um, I always ask it, but I never answered it. Uh, for me, 
is about bringing the world back to what matters. I've always yeah. been fascinated by people in terms of, I think everyone has a story. It may come from my own experiences, because sometimes when, you, when you've been put in the background or when your, your opinion have never really been considered, then you grow up to think, mm-hmm. you know, everyone matters. And that person who doesn't have a platform, who doesn't have a voice, I want to give them a voice. So for me, it's yeah. about bringing back bringing the world back to what matters, which is love, communication, justice, may come for a documentary, you know, telling the stories of those who matter at the background. So that's my motive. Um, What do you want people to remember you as in your work? I want people to remember me for a few things. Um, One, that I was someone that uh, loved people regardless of their story. I don't I don't care about people's religion, sexual orientation, skin color, whatever. I don't I don't I don't give two flying monkeys about anything. I think you are worthy of respect, you're worthy of love, you are worthy of life yeah. simply because you know we are human and I just want to be known as someone that loved people well. That I was just someone that had the capacity to to facilitate people from different walks of life and do it well another thing is be it through my work or just how i choose to live my life is that i want to empower other people to just be themselves unadulterated like be yourself Mm -hmm. and be willing to explore realms of yourself in a way like never before and just to be confident to be empowered there's so much empowerment and so that comes from choosing to believe in yourself and to just be yourself. I want, True. you know, just even like with my little sister, you know, like I, how I choose to live my life. I want her to be like, oh, I can, I can be like that. Or however I choose to express myself. There isn't a right way or a wrong way to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think once again, like people put boxes. I just want to empower people to be limitless within themselves basically that's even why i approached you you have that aura you see what you just said you have that aura and that's why i decided to interview you you know so before you said it i was like yeah she has her life has that message already let me have her thank you and i would say my final thing would be um that i was someone that fought for and pursued justice for everybody right um regardless um i'm currently i'm crazy i enrolled i'm currently doing an international human rights law course where i th- where i think who, who, i don't know who i thought i am Mary. i don't know who i thought i was but now that i'm in it i'm like ha ha i pray you get to the end and you you do wonderful because you said oh. it so i'm praying for god's grace over it and thank you yes Man, thank you i want to be someone who's known who fought for people that's so yeah. good that's good well, Lilato, I, I wrote something, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it because I want to okay. sound smart. You are smart. <laughs> you are. So, yeah, so you're, you're a fighter, Lilato, in a lot of ways, you know, because at the end of the day, what I learned through talking to you is that you're not perfect. At the end of the day, no one is perfect, but we're just, we're all trying. You don't have to be perfect to be there. And we didn't get to speak about the fact that you're a twin, which I'm sure comes with a lot of stuff in itself and a great bond. We didn't get to talk about your battle with PCOS, you know, which I'm sure, you know, is very hard. You know, the frequent medical appointments, the operations you've had and, you know, the support of your family and friends who helps you get through every day. And even your faith, because going, at university you did demonstrate 
some spiritual some spiritual gifts when I speak to you you know in in, in the midst of 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 hardship you know you still go on you still you still do what you want to do and you know just well done thank you so much Miriam I I appreciate you and I appreciate you having you know gotten in touch and um and I appreciate you your hustle as well like just your hustle and what you're doing yeah yes yes honestly it's you know you know we're we're kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of like our interests and so many similarities (laughs) I'm like oh gosh I know just how much you know your your creativity also means to you and your work means to you and um just then even other life factors at play and different things so you know from sister to sister in terms of like creativity and journalism and everything else like I'm championing you and I'm rooting for you. you and I wish you like nothing but the best and that, you Thank know, you. the labor of your love and the labor of, you know, your hands and okay. your passion, your purpose, that it would bear fruit and Amen. put you in place. Thank you so much. Where can you find me on social media? You can find me on Instagram at my scrapbook tales. So that's my scrapbook, the typical way and tales, T-A-L-E-S tales. Um, once you go to that account, you find all me and my other accounts. I'm not even going to go and list all yeah. my other accounts, but you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash by Lilato. Okay. Um, yeah. If you find me on my main Instagram account, you can find me everywhere else. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Journeys with Podcast is available on all audio streaming sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. And you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Flower. And you can follow Journeys with Podcast on Instagram by typing Journeys with Podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Thank you so much, Lilato. I will see you on the next episode, guys. Episode 13. I'm on a roll, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you, Lilato. Bye. Thank you.